Welcome to On Being You, the show inspiring you with stories of success from people who have created success in their life and who share their journeys and most importantly, what it means to be you. Hear how they got to where they are, the choices they made, and tips on how to live a life you love. I truly believe you can design and live a life you love aligned to who you are. I'm your host, Susanna Kenyon Muir, life and career coach, a former nine to fiver who spent almost two decades in the corporate world. I love hearing a fascinating story and sharing that with you. So let's get started. In this week's episode, I speak with Ken Rusk for our second conversation. Because the first one flowed, we decided to do another one. Tune in to hear his take on intentional living, the science behind manifestation, and how risk is a key ingredient to luck. Download my free four-part manifestation worksheet to manifest an intention in your life. Details found below. Now, let's get to the episode. Hi, Ken. Welcome back to On Being You. It's exciting to have you back on the show. It's been like a month since we last spoke, but really good to have you again. You know, it's it's uh, it's a great thing. It's great to be here with you again. I, I have done uh, so many of these shows. I think you're number 198, and I don't remember ever doing them back to back this close. So um, that's a good thing for both of us because we must have had some great energy the first time around. So we might as well keep going. Absolutely. I loved our conversation last time. And I remember like even after we finished, we were still kind of rolling. And um, I mean, this is my first time doing a second episode. Uh, wow. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm a little earlier on in my podcast uh, adventure than you, but it was just such a great conversation. And I remember you uh, called me a good witch <laughs> at, the, at the end of it, which I had to clarify what that meant, but it's it was definitely a compliment, which I appreciate. Um, so when we spoke last time, we talked a lot about your kind of path in terms of how you set up uh, your coaching business, your business in construction and your passion for helping blue collar workers and that you don't have to necessarily have a degree to be happy or successful in life. And you also mentioned uh, your three words, which are comfort, peace, and freedom. Exactly, yep. Yes, I remembered it. (laughs) Um, And one of the things that we also started to speak about was energy. And I love this conversation because to me, the energy that you put out and uh, the mindset side of things, you know, can have such a a profound impact on your life. I want to maybe just open up to you what your kind of, what's your definition of, you know, energy and how has this played a role in your life? How did you start to kind of come into positive mindset, energy work? Well, I, I think, I think at the end of the day, you know, people, a lot of times they judge themselves by, you know, how successful they are, maybe sometimes in acquiring things or doing things or, or um, maybe going places or whatever. And, and to me, you know, there's, there's these things that you acquire in your lifetime and for sure they're great. I mean, whether, whether it's 
you know, traveling or whether it's, you know, sports cars or whatever it is that that you might acquire. It's it's never really been about the thing as much as it is about the memories that you create with those things. And I think that's where people get lost. I mean, I've never jumped in any one of my cars and and sat there in the garage and went, wow, how cool is this? You know, there was always something I've done with it, whether I've gone on to a certain place with a certain person or I've raced around the track with with my friends and created great memories or whatever we've done, whether we've gone gone golfing in in Scotland or these exotic places. It's always there's always this this gratefulness when you're doing these things. And I always stop. Because if you're not careful, these things fly by very quickly and they come and they go. So I have pictures around me of everything I've ever done. I keep those pictures around me to reinforce how grateful I am. And that right there, I think, builds energy to go do other great things. And, and again, it, it, it can be even giving back. I mean, some of the, some of the most where they say when the hair stands up on the back of your neck, some of those moments that were that were most intense was when my staff and, and I were giving back to a certain person or a certain family or a certain cause. Just, just last weekend, we built 250 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in 42 minutes in my office here. And, <laughs> and, and it was, it was bizarre, Suzanne. I mean, it was, I'm looking around and people are just, they're just slapping peanut butter and jelly and they're putting these bags together and they're putting the snacks in the bags. And I was in charge of stacking the bags. And it, it's just such a cool thing to see a group of people that are, are loving a moment of giving back. So the memory of that will be with me forever. And so I, I think that, I think memories are the pursuit of memories and then the completion of memories, especially when they're past positive experiences, they create all kinds of really cool energy to want to go do more of that. Amazing. So tell me a little bit about this peanut butter um, and jelly sandwich making uh, um, initiative. How did that come about? Like, how do you get into giving back? What does that mean to you? Well, first of all, I had some carpenters working at my house for a very long time. They were remodeling some things and and uh, it took them a long time. And at one point I thought that I was opening up a used white van store because there were so many vans in my front yard for such a long period of time every day. But the, the t- two of these uh, carpenters in particular, they're just the most jovial, fun-loving guys and, and just energetic guys. And, and they were like onions. The more you peeled back, the more you found. It was crazy what these guys were capable of outside of the work that they did. And one of them was leaving early that Friday to go build a thousand peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with a whole group of people from his church. And they build these sandwiches and then they give them out to the, to people around town that, that need them, um, that, that may be hungry otherwise. And man, that is really cool. So I came into my office and I said, Hey guys, I think I want to do this. And they were all in. I had 10 people go, let's do it. This is great. Suzanne, I I think the total cost of this thing was like, I don't know, $52 or something to build these same. I mean, it was nothing. And um, it, it just goes to show how inexpensively you can give back, but it also reinforces, you know, the three T's time, talent, and treasure, right? Well, the treasure was nothing. The time and the talent was the thing. And um, to have a group of people synergistically creating for the benefit of others, 
you know, th they get to go home and, and, and feel that and maybe share that with other people. And hopefully that pays it forward and spreads around a little bit. And again, I don't know if I hadn't initiated that, if that would have ever come into their lives or if that would have happened that specifically. Now they've done a lot of charity things as a group with us here, mm. but this is just another fun kind of quirky way to give back to people in need. And it was just, I mean, if you want to talk about energy, there was, you know, we had music going and we had laughter and you, you couldn't bottle that up and sell it for enough. I mean, it was, it was crazy. Amazing. I, I, um, I'm curious to hear from you, like what the takeaway was, like what impact do you think it had on them? And I asked that because I, in the last couple of years, started to get into charity work. And in the past, I, I was always wanting to get into it, but I struggled with, for me, I want the, the tangible aspect, you know, being able to see how it's, you know, impacting someone as opposed to purely fundraising or doing that side of things. And um, last year I went to Zambia as a part of the um, a uh, charity that I work with, Microloan. And to see the women that we support there and how it's changed their lives was like so amazing and impactful for me. But I'm curious from your perspective, what, what was the takeaway and how do you think that might carry forward for those people? Well, if you think about it, let's assume you had two group of people, two different offices, right? And one of them, the, the staff at that office was asked, is, is your company charitable? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're charitable. I know that we write checks to these organizations in, um, you know, Western Africa, or I know that we do stuff in Europe, or we do stuff with the Red Cross. So yeah, we're charitable. But that's kind of where the conversation ends, right? You did it differently. You put your, your feet and your hands on the ground over there and, and you got involved in it. That's a whole different animal. Because people at our, in our organization, if you ask them, is your, is your organization charitable? They say, oh, yeah, last year we did this. And last year we did that. And then we did that. You hear the words, we did. We got involved. We used our, our, our time and our talent as much as the treasure of the company to make these things happen. And, and I think there's a, um, there's a holy moral and ethical kind of underpinning that, that happens when your staff sees how it's how important it is to you and then they they do it and realize how it's how important it is to them you know how it, it's incumbent upon all of us who who receive any type of treasure or talent to, to give of our time and, and give those things back and give them away so it, it to me it, it's it's just a really cool thing and you know the other funny thing is and i have to be really careful when i say this because you know you never want to give away so that you receive something in return that's no way to start this effort but i will tell you for some reason and you can call it whatever you want whether it's karma or whatever you want the more you seem to do this the more you seem to be blessed with the ability to do more so i don't know how that happens and and i don't know the answer to that but it's it's just a really really cool thing to do and it um it warms your heart and uh it it it, it kind of fills a little space of all the other buckets that you fill in your life, it kind of fills a little space that you're like, man, something's missing. And that, that can, that just kind of gets the job done. Yeah. I love that. You just touched on two things. Cause I a hundred percent agree doing something has to come from like the gift of your heart and, and not because you're expecting something in return, because as soon as you expect something, it sends out that, that wrong energy 
but then from an energetic perspective, if you're doing something purely and you're putting that positive energy out there, then like you said, it will come back in ripples. Well, you know, I, I go to these things a lot. I go to these, these black tie events where there's silent auctions and then there's public auctions and, you know, I, I get it. You know, you, you bid on these things and you walk around and you bid and you write your number down and then you, maybe someone's outbid you. So you go back and you bid a little more. But in the end, you're expecting to win that thing. Mm-hmm. OK, so if, if someone says to me, oh, yeah, I donated four thousand dollars to that uh, association, but I got a thirty five hundred dollar trip out of it. To me, I uh, mean, that's that just doesn't. It doesn't quite do it for me, even though that trip was maybe donated by somebody else and the organization did, in fact, get the four thousand. That just doesn't quite do it for me, Susanna, because, again, you're kind of going with the expectation of getting something back. And have I bought golf trips in the past that I knew were donated? Yeah. But that's a very small percentage of the huge amount of stuff we do for, you know, Make-A-Wish and Junior Achievement, Boys and Girls Clubs and Mom's House and all these kinds of things. Ronald McDonald's house and, and, and the food banks and everything else. So again, I encourage anyone who has a staff that um, wants to take them to the next level, just dip your toe in the water a little bit, get involved with some of this stuff. You won't believe how it, how it goes over in the end. Yeah. And it really, um, if you're going into it with a good intention, it really has such a, like, it just warms your heart. And for me, it was so unexpected. I didn't know what I was going to what, what I was going to see and witness. And it just was so fulfilling in so many ways that it almost drives me more to want to give back in a way that I can see almost the fruits of your labor. That's a really good point. So everything that we do is local and it's only because I can't really take 10 people you know, across the world, right? Mm-hmm. Out of my company. And you don't have to, that's a good point. Right. Yeah. So Everything that we do, whether it's make a wish or whether it's, I mean, everything is within five miles of this office. We can go see what's happening. We can invite them to our office to see what's happening. In one case, we work with a group where let's assume you have a unplanned pregnancy at 15. Well, that can end in a bad way. You know, I mean, people quitting high school to go take care of their child or whatever. So there, there's an organization called Mom's House, and one of the things they do is they allow you to technically kind of park your child there during the day while you're finishing up your high school degree. The only difference is you have to work the house, you have to clean the house, you have to help cook for the house, you have to do all these things um, to support the house ongoing. And you have to keep your grades above a certain level. And so there's, there's, there's kind of the, a, a requirement to, to get this free service. And, and I, I love that because we support people who are supporting themselves. We, we support fighters who are fighting for themselves. And, um, you know, to see these girls go from 15 and watch them go all the way through college and become a pharmacist is ridiculously cool because you get to see them two, three times a year and they report in how they're doing. And we get to see them at Christmas time. And it's just so cool to see that one success story, you know, that could have been a who knows what story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, so that's why we like to put our hands on things we can actually see and, and, and see the effect of, which is in, in effect what you did, albeit a long ways away. Yeah. And I, I actually, I love that point because you don't have to go to Africa, for example, to have an impact. There are so many different ways that you can have an impact in your local community and um, with the people around you. And I think 
what's great about what you did is that you have that everlasting kind of journey where you can see their progress and touch points and which is so cool. So this, this might, um, the next question might kind of uh, extend to, to what we just talked about. And so what is your promise or what is a promise that you have um, in terms of wanting to make the world a better place? Well, I would say this, my, my goal is to prepare as many people around me as possible to live as many exceptional lives as possible. I mean, if I'm going to be the steward of 200 people, my goal is to make sure that as many of those people as possible lead exceptional lives, not only for themselves, but, but for others, because for every, you know, for every positive active life that's out there, they're hopefully going to impact more lives like theirs. Um, mm. and, and so it's a, it's kind of a pay it forward thing, you know, it, it, it's, it's really interesting, you know, if, if you say, I want to put my mark on the world, I mean, there's so many things you wish you could, <laughs> you could change the way the world works, but, um, you know, certainly it's one of them might be, you know, why can't we all just do our own religion and everyone be cool with everyone's religion and not, you know, want to throw rocks or shoot rockets at other people because of their religions. I mean, why, why can't we all just do our own thing and just, you know, be cool about it. Right. Um, that's a pretty long bar to, to reach, but, um, in a small way to get people to live exceptional lives and help other people and teach them how to help other people and give them the means to help other people. I think, uh, I think that's pretty good. Yeah. I love that. Um, I, I'm going to say something now. So you, at the moment, help me maybe fill in the gaps. So you do that through coaching. You have your own business. You have courses. You've got your um, your book, which you, we've got behind in the screen, the blue color um, cash. Yeah. Uh, how else do you feel like you do that at the moment? And is there, yeah, let's start with that. Well, you know, there's, there's, there's hoping that you're having impact. There's praying that you have impact and there's wishing and dreaming that you have impact. And then they're saying, okay, let's get down to the practicality of it. What are you doing to live an exceptional life Monday, October 30th? Okay. What are you doing today to further that goal? And I, and I think, I think that's where most people fail is is they just have these great intentions and they might even send up the process set up the processes to create those results but they don't work it they don't they don't say okay what are you chasing right now today how are we helping someone next week like for example if i hadn't driven to my office that morning and said i want to build peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for somebody that wouldn't have happened because I, I said, instead of thinking about, you know what, someday that's a good idea. I may want to talk about my staff and maybe we'll round table that and then we'll have a committee and see if that's any good. No, let's just go do this. Let's just keep it simple and let's make these simple today decisions. And I think that's, again, I think that's a big difference of, of um, wishing, hoping or dreaming something happens and then saying, um, can we just do this like today or set it up for this Friday or whatever? Because again, Susanna, you, you know as well as I do, if I came up to you and said, hey, you know what? Can we do dinner? Let's go out to dinner. Wouldn't that be great? And you go, yeah, that's great. I'll check my schedule. Okay, I'll, I'll check my schedule. I'll get back to you. Week goes by, nothing ever happens. I don't talk to you again. You, you forget about it or whatever. But if I were to say to you, Susanna, let's go out to dinner. And you said, cool, uh, let me get my schedule open. How about Friday? I would say, cool, Friday. 
most people never get that far. Mm. Most people leave it at the, I'll get a hold of you kind of thing. And um, then it never happens. But when it does, when it does, at the end of that dinner, they look at each other and they go, that was really cool. We should we should do that more often. Why do we wait to do that so long, you know? So what do you, okay, this is it's perfect segue to my next question, but I'm going to ask first, what do you think, what is the nuance or like, what is the trait, the, the reason why the difference between the first example and the second, like what makes that, I, I don't want to use the word yet because I'm going to ask you in a second, but what do you think is the difference between those two examples that you just gave? Why do some people take that extra initiative and some people don't? I think the difference is some people lead intentional lives and some people don't. I think that the difference is some people say, I'm going to wait for life to happen to me while others say I'm going to happen to my life. Okay. And, yeah. and, and I, you know, the, you and I both know that the hardest step of walking any 50 step path is stepping on the very first stone. Okay. It's the very first step. That's the hardest because once you have inertia, you just kind of fall forward and there you are 49 steps later, you've hit your destination. So the want behind stuff like that, the goal, the reward, um, whether it's mental, emotional, spiritual, whatever that falls behind that act is usually pretty cool. So, I mean, you get, you do that once or twice, you get addicted to it and you just want to keep, keep repeating the process. Yeah. What's your definition of luck? Labor under correct knowledge. You've heard that one before, right? <laughs> I actually have not, but tell me about it. And then I well, will tell you, yeah. L-U-C-K, labor under correct knowledge, right? All that means is you can, you know, the more the more prepared you are, the luckier you're always going to get. Mm -hmm. the, the more prepared and the more trained and the more you're aware of your opportunities and you seize them, the luckier you're always going to get. I, th I think luck is always about 10% of it. And the, eight, and the other 90% is just being prepared, being aware, being trained, being ready and, and, and being able to say, okay, I'm going to seize upon that. So is there luck? Sure. Um, if you, if you see someone that one that, that has this amazing life and they've achieved all these things and they're world travelers and there's all this stuff they have and they've created great memories. And then you found out that they won the lottery to get all that. That's luck. Yeah. Okay? But that's like, I, I, so I love the fact that you said, use the words aware and opportunities and, um, uh, you know, the fact that you have to sort of be an intentional about it as well. Um, the reason why I ask this is, uh, I mean, I've had people sometimes say, oh, you're so lucky in a certain area. And I thought a lot about it. And I read this book a couple of years ago called Connect the Dots. And it's by um, an author, uh, Christian um, Bush, I think. And he talks about the concept of luck and serendipity is is actually you can codify it so it's when something unexpected happens you recognize the opportunity and you take action and do something about it and in the same vein of you know he, he sort of extends that to luck as well and so it's to your point being aware that there is an opportunity and doing something about it so that example that you just gave about the dinner um, example, like some people wouldn't even be aware that that was an opportunity or do something about it. And it can be, you know, in a business sense, in a romantic sense, in a whatever friendship. And yeah, 
being reactive versus being proactive and, and seeking opportunities. Well, you know, there's a great poem, and I don't remember who it's by. It might even be anonymous, but you, you can look it up. There's several versions of it, but it's all about risk. You know, to, to risk is to, you know, potentially lose. To risk is to, to potentially not love. To risk is potentially... So if you think about if you think about people that are lucky, they're also probably a little riskier than most because they're willing to take that next step. I, I could ask you out. I'll go back to this example. I could I could ask you out to dinner after you said, well, we should go out to dinner sometime, knowing you weren't telling the truth. You just were make, being nice to me. <laughs> and I said, all right, let's go out to dinner. And then you're like, oh, um, yeah, well, let me check. My... <laughs> so, you know, there is a possibility of losing when you're risky, but I would rather take that chance in yeah. all aspects of my life than to not ask the question at all. And yeah. um, so I think there's a little bit of risk involved to it. But if you look up the definition or this, at least the poem on risk, you'll see there's so many things in life that you miss if you don't at least put yourself out there a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? And take that next, that next step. So would you say you're a risk taker? I've been accused of being a, a serious risk taker. Yeah. Like, like, okay. um, yeah, I mean, in all walks of life. I mean, I'm the first one to jump off the 50 foot cliff in Jamaica and almost kill myself. I'm the first one to race my car around the track. And I'm the first one to do a lot of things. I, I, I've risked financial gain um, to hit some home runs that could have gone sideways. And I don't know where that comes from, but I think, I think if, if you're, if the reason why we talked about this last time, if, if your reasons why are big enough, your risk tolerance increases geometrically with that. You know what I mean? So that's, that's where people, even humor is to risk, Suzanne. I think about it. You're standing in a crowd and people are talking and then you say something that's funny. You're risking nobody laughing at that. But when they do, it's so cool because you hit a note and you've made people laugh who otherwise maybe didn't laugh that whole day. Mm. Right. <laughs> and, and then one laughter in, is, you know, contagious to the next one. And pretty soon everyone's laughing and then that keeps going. And people say, you're lucky you're so funny. No, I'm not. I just took a risk and I could have lost on that risk. Yeah. But it, 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 it's all kind of tied together. So I, I think, again, I have such a strong desire of what's out there that, yeah, I'm going to risk some things. I, I, I look at it this way. In my life, I've lit the fuses of probably 15 rockets and um, five or six of them have fallen over as duds, but the other 10 were really good. So, I mean, it ended up okay. But if I didn't light those fuses, I, I would have never known, right? Yeah. Can you think of um, a risk that you took where it failed, but you learned something profound out of it? Yeah, I can tell you for sure. So I, I invested in a company, it wasn't a lot of money. It was, I mean, it was, it was substantial, but not that I couldn't lose, but I, I invested in this company. It was the greatest idea. Really, really cool idea. And the people were decent and they came up with this idea. And the lesson that I learned was it doesn't matter what the idea is. It matters who's the person behind it. Mm -hmm. So you can have the best idea in the world in the wrong hands. And guess what? You got nothing. 
you can have a mediocre idea in the hands of somebody brilliant and you're going to have something great. You can have an idea that's already been done in the hands of a brilliant person and have something great. I look at it like, like, um, I don't know. Do you ever wash your own car? <laughs> I had to wash my dad's car. <laughs> yeah. No, I did no. have to wash my car. I'm do you know what, do you know what armor all is? Armor oil? Armor all? No. It's the stuff that makes your tires shiny. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. Well, if you go to the hardware store, there's five or six different brands of tire shine. Armor all was the first one, but the second and third and fourth one are doing pretty damn good. So you don't always have to be first if you're good at what you do. And that was my point of what I said a minute ago. So yeah, it's, it, 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 it's interesting. The bottom line is it's the people behind the idea, not the idea itself that makes something successful. So if you're going to invest in something, look first to the human being, second to what they're doing. So if someone was listening and they were thinking, okay, I'm thinking about maybe changing jobs or starting a business, um, what would your advice be in terms of figuring out if the person is the right person? Well, if you're doing it yourself, you have to look in the mirror and say, do I possess persistence, resilience, initiative, faith, courage, hope, simplicity, um, vision, you know, generosity? Do I, do I have the characteristics that most entrepreneurs have? And I will tell you this, the answer is yes, but if you don't have a strong enough reason for those to come out, then they're going to lie dormant inside mm -hmm. of you, okay? If you have an amazing reason for them to come out, then they're going to blast off like crazy. So that's the first thing I would say is, do you have these characteristics? And if you, if you think you do, which I guarantee you, you do, is there a strong enough reason for them to come out? So your so why? The why, Yeah. yeah. What's, 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 what's it look like in the end if all these characteristics come out of you? What's the end game? Yeah. If you're going to invest in another person, I would just answer this question the same way. Can you say, can you look at them and say they possess these qualities and do they have a strong enough why to make this work? Mm. Because a good idea and, and opening your own company is about 30% of, of why something will be successful. The rest of it is, I have a damn good reason to make all of this happen. And it's powerful. And I wake up thinking about it. And it's on my wall in my living room. And I stare at it twice a day. And I have to have these things. They are must things, not should things. Must happen. Mm. That's the right person then. I love that. Um, so you touched on intentional living uh, and having leading an intentional life recent, just a, a short while ago. Can you remember, I know we, we touched on this a little bit in the first episode, but can you maybe touch on what living in one of your earliest memories of when you started being intentional about what, how you wanted to live your life? Oh yeah, this is a good one. So I don't know if I told you before, but I, I have four brothers. We're all very close in age. We grew up in a very small house in Amherst, Ohio. And um, my dad was making $14,000 a year in the produce department of one of the very first Kroger's stores. Okay. He ended up becoming a manager of that store and then opening his own business eventually. But one of the things that he always said was, look at you know, there's five of you. There's one of me. Your mom doesn't work. I'm trying to do everything that I can for you. 
I'm going to give you food and clothing and shelter. I'm going to give you some as much fun as I can. Um, I can't afford to do everything all of you want for yourselves. I can't. I mean, but together we can do free fun things and we can find things to do and whatever. But, you know, it is what it is. So we're going to have to work together here and see what we can, how we can make this a great life. And if I wanted something beyond that, then I typically, I would have to go get it myself. So I remember being, I think, I think I was like 12, somewhere around there, maybe, maybe 10. And I wanted this baseball mitt. And I, if I wanted that extra special thing, I had to go find a way to get it. And I just, I remember working at a bakery and a bowling alley. And I remember working at a paper route and I couldn't believe that if I just stood there and did what you asked me to do for three or four hours that you'd hand me $20. I mean, that was like shocking to me that that work was rewarded with, with revenue. Right. So I started living very intentionally. Okay. So wait a minute, if I can, if I work this hard and I make this money, I can go do that for myself. If I work this much, I can go reward myself that way. I remember, I remember getting an allowance of 35 cents a week and because I didn't have anything to spend it on, I was like very young. I might've been six or seven. I walked up to the drugstore and I got a hundred thousand dollar bar and a slushie. And that was 35 cents. And the, we, me and my buddies did that on Saturday. And that was like our week reward for, you know, mowing the lawn or picking up my, my room or doing laundry or whatever the hell I had to do around my house. So I just remember that there was a lot of do this and you will be rewarded, do this and you'll be rewarded in some way. And, and if, if you didn't see the reward first, it wasn't nearly as powerful as if you just, you know, hoped something good would happen. And um, yeah, that was pretty cool. So is being intentional, are you driven by the reward side of things? Is that kind of what has motivated you to be intentional? No, I, I think, I think it kind of taught you that you're responsible for what your future looks like though. Yeah. So, it, it, I mean, because now it's not about collecting things. It's about memories. It's about creating memories and um, and then helping others to do the same thing. Because once you do things, once you do live a life that's intentional and you see how powerful that is, you want to share it with everybody. Say, hey, man, follow me. This is pretty cool. I need to teach you how to do this. Yeah. So that that's kind of where we're at now. Um, but the mechanism of of, you know, effort versus something, it teaches you, it teaches you how to live in a way that you're, you're constantly creating. And, and I think that's important because if you don't, then you're waiting for things to just happen to you. And that's not the way you should live your life. Okay. I'm going to use a buzzword. Do you know, do you believe in manifestation? If you're, if you're talking about seeing something so clearly that it shows up in your life eventually, yeah, I absolutely believe in that. I think there's a science behind it. I, I absolutely do. Okay. Agreed. Uh, can you elaborate on what you mean by the science behind it and how do you practice this or do you practice it? So the easiest way to say this is you start focusing on yellow Volkswagens and now all of a sudden you see yellow Volkswagens everywhere, right? That's, you've heard that since you were a kid. I mean, that's just a little, that's just a thing. Or think of the pink elephant and then you think, well, actually that's a different analogy, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> different analogy, but I, I, I'm you don't right. see a pink elephant. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm looking around. I'm looking around my outside. I don't see any pink elephants out there, Suzanne, but I'm trying. <laughs> okay. That's one of my classic examples of, uh, yeah, mixing up my words, but yeah, <laughs> I'll let you continue. So where were we? Um, oh, the science. Yeah. So I was talking with Tony Robbins' son, Jarek, and he was, I was asking him about this vision and how it works and why it's so powerful and um, why people like Elon Musk and, you know, these other guys, Tim, I mean, all these guys, Tim Cook and all these guys, Bill Gates, they have these, Richard Branson, they have all these ways that they see things and they create them. And one of the things that he said was, when you're focusing on something that you want, and you see it really, really clearly down to the brochure. I mean, I'm talking about brochure-like clarity that these electrodes in your mind start going back and forth of the vision that you're implanting, downloading in your brain. And the more you see that thing, the more these little electrodes or electrons, the more these thought processes get faster and faster and closer and closer to the point where they become almost one thought, one constant thought. And then what happens is, your body now, your brain tells your body that it actually owns this thing already, even when you don't. And then your body almost goes into an involuntary mode of actions and, you know, things you, you start to do things and you attract yourself to that eventuality. And then eventually that thing comes into your life, not through luck, but because you intentionally went after that, maybe even subconsciously but you brought that thing into your life. And um, I thought that was pretty cool because I always knew that there was the law of attraction and there's the law of, you know, like you said, manifestation and vision and all those things. But I thought they were just kind of theoretical, not scientific. And, and but potentially now, I can't prove this theory. The harder you think about something, the more your body automatically or even subconsciously goes towards those things. Yeah, I'm fascinated by this topic because I, I started to get into it a couple of years ago, A, through studying NLP and um, and then going to Dr. Joe Dispenza retreats and things and, and starting to learn about the science and what you were talking about with, um, you know, your, your neuropathway, creating new neuropathways by firing and wiring your brain cells together through your subconscious thoughts. And what's so interesting is I think often, um, you know, when people talk about manifestation or the law of attraction, it's mostly focusing on the things that you want, but you also are manifesting from your subconscious, the things you don't want. And sure. <laughs> so it's, it's almost like catching your thoughts and, you know, not trying to, um, prevent like, uh, negative or limiting patterns from, you know, happening again, because, that's why I think people tend to repeat patterns, you know, whether it's in relationships or whether it's, you know, patterns at work or conflict, because you're just subconsciously not aware of it, but you're putting that thought and that manifestation out. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, if you can be to your word intentional about what you want and catching the thoughts, beliefs and emotions that you have, then you can really start to create a life or career or, or whatever it is that you want that is aligned to your intentions. Exactly. And, and you do have to be careful what you wish for, because like you said, if you, if you focus on 
like, like you'll hear somebody go, you know, I could never do that. Well, you're right. <laughs> you could never do that the way because you're you talking right that. now because yeah. you said that. So you, you really have to be careful in that self-deprecating, defensive, you know, put your, I mean, that, that whole kind of mindset because you're setting the table for that very thing that you'll never do because you're already there. And, and I don't know if people say that because it makes them feel better about maybe the fact that they haven't accomplished some of these things and you're that lucky entrepreneur, which I hate because there's no such thing. Um, you know, I, like I've said before, here's a crayon and a piece of paper, draw entrepreneur for me. Okay. You can't, there's no possible way to draw entrepreneur unless you, put different. A, unless you put a bunch of qualifiers to it. Yeah. You know, she's an entrepreneur at baking. Okay. Now I can draw that, but just the word entrepreneur, you can't, I mean, you could write it, but that's as far as you get. So yeah, I, I, I think people that it, it's almost like a, a like a blanket that they put on themselves for that make them feel better that that's not going to happen because that's just not in their world. And if they just stood up and said, that's going to happen for me. And this is my pathway. And this is my, this is how I'm going to do it. And these are the people I'm sharing that goal with. And these are the precise steps I'm taking. And here's a brochure, a picture of that hanging on my wall. Boom. That would happen for them. And uh, we need more, and we need more people like that in the world. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Do you practice any intentional kind of practices in order to be, use the word intentional about what you want in your life? Like, do you do that on a regular basis, whether it's planning or writing down lists or journaling, vision boards? Well, first up, I surround myself with, I mean, if you were looked in my office right now, if I spun the camera around this way and this way, you would see memory, you see pictures of memories of everything that I've done. Okay. And so they're with me all day long. I mean, my, you can't really see it, but my father painted a picture, my father-in-law painted a picture of me standing on the first tee in Scotland, golfing with my buddies. And he painted all them too. And it, it was in 2000 and it was ridiculously cool. It was the first thing we'd ever done on a grand scale. And since then I've been back three or four times. I'm going back next year. And it's, it's, it's one of those kinds of things at home in the morning. I, I have this, um, <laughs> no, don't take this, don't take this crazy on me, but I have a really nice pub on my first floor of my house. It's I remember right you saying, <laughs> yeah. And, and in that, in that pub is, my little frame and I make my protein shakes in the morning and I just stare at that frame and I just have this overwhelming gratitude that just inflows and reinforces why I'm doing what I'm doing. And, and again, it's not the things, it's the memories, it's the feelings, it's the things that I've done with, for, with people, for people, had people do for me, all, all these things that just builds this enormous gratitude. And I think that creates energy to want to keep it, keep it and do more. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, so you mentioned earlier, know if you're an entrepreneur and you're going to start a business or you're going to um, uh, make a change in your life, know your reason and your why. Why do you do what you do? Well, in the beginning, I had set. In the beginning, I had set a way that I wanted my life to look like I, I, I had set like things that I wanted to create in my life. And I would say, if I could live like that at that level, that would really be cool. And it has been cool because I've created a lot of memories in doing that. And that's been a lot of fun. And then 
then it became again it, it's about if i can do it this is how i look at it, susanna if i can do it i think anybody can do it okay because i have no formal training i have no letters after my name i've never taken a coaching class um but now it's all about what can I do like for my daughter and she's going to have a, a, a little baby girl here in the next couple of weeks. And what can I do to set them on the path where they feel like they're in control of making a great life for themselves. And what can I teach them about, you know, taking care of themselves and, and filling all the buckets equally and, and um, living a balanced life and, and giving back and, and all that kind of stuff and, and having them live at the effect of themselves at life, not the opposite of that. So it's, it's all about me showing others now, you know, you got 90 years on this planet, you never own anything, you just have it for a little while. And um, there's all these cool moments and memories that you can you can create. And if, if, if at the end of the day, you know, on everyone's gravestone, it was just a TV screen, and all it did was show the different things that people the, the great moments in their life. I mean, that I think would be, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. So on that note, if you could go back and change anything in your life, going back to one specific moment, what would you change and why? That's, that's a loaded question, Suzanne. <laughs> Susanna. Um, what would I or change? Or you could say nothing. Well, I, I would tell you this, there are times when I say, you know, I, if I had to do it all, uh, all over again, I would do it all the same. Okay. Um, what I think I would have done is earlier on, I probably would have gotten into this entrepreneurship management style earlier than I did. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you start creating success for yourself, you're like, wow, this is really cool. And then you keep doing it. And as you keep doing it, you, you tend to take on more. And then pretty soon you're working a long time and you're, you're missing some of the buckets you're supposed to fill equally. And then you realize that if you just got more people around you to think like you do, you know, entrepreneurially instead of entrepreneurially, and there's a difference between the two, then it would take, it would be less taxing on you and more beneficial for them. So I probably would have surrounded myself with entrepreneurs maybe a decade earlier than I did, but I'm so glad that I did it because I have a lot of people that have been here for a very long period of time and it's, it's been a hell of a ride. So. Amazing. What is something that people don't know about you that you maybe wish they did or a message that you'd like to kind of impart on? Yeah, the world. Um, I would say probably this. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a pretty practical guy, and I believe two plus two equals four every day, all the time. In the winter, in the summer, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, <laughs> it it or an independent, I, I just think that what is is what's right is what's right, and. If I could, I would impose so many things with the way our world works, where people had to be a million percent transparent in everything they said and did, and 
every connection they had and every motivation they had. Because what the toughest thing for me to take in the world is when you see things that are so obvious that they should be that way. And not just to me because of who I am or my political leanings or whatever, but to the whole freaking world. That's the way it should be. And yet they try to convince you that that's not the way it should be. And it should be this, that, or the other thing. And they twist words. And then you find out that they have these insidious motivations behind them that nobody ever knew about. And yet they controlled your life. So I, I just think I just think I'm a huge fan of common sense. I'm a huge fan of keeping it simple. And um, I don't know where that's gone, but I wish I could uh, I wish I could stand at the top of the hill and trumpet that back into into play because it's it's something that um, we could sure use a lot more of in this world, that's for sure. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's such a lovely message actually to impart. And you know, you it's probably a bit of a controversial point, but what you were saying at the beginning in terms of there not being any religion and everyone kind of just believes in what they want to believe in. I think, especially with what's going on at, at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it, it's weird because in a weird way, you could draw this like really silly parallel, okay? There's Taco Bell, there's McDonald's, there's Burger King, there's Subway. There's, there's all these things that you can drive down the street and you can go into your favorite place, okay? Does anyone from Taco Bell hate the people that are in Burger King? <laughs> Does anyone from Burger King hate the people that are in McDonald's? I mean- you go there, you do what you do, and everyone's like, cool. Mm. I'm going to get barbecue. You get a burger. You get pizza. You get a taco. Awesome. We're all good. Why can't, in a stupid way, in a really terrible analogy way, why can't that be the way relations are? You go do your thing. You do your thing. You pray to who you want. I'll do. That's fine. We all just go live, and everything is cool. Mm. Why would one have to be so much better than the other? And you have to die for the fact that you think that way. It just makes no sense. I told somebody this the other day. If you and I, Susanna, for the last 6,000 years, were throwing rocks at each other and it wasn't working, wouldn't you and I probably have to eventually say, hey, you know what? Let's stop throwing rocks. I'm tired. My arm hurts. Let's just sit down and figure out what. Let's go have a beer. okay? And forget about all this. It's just not worth the rocks. I mean, you yeah, know what I'm saying? I know it, it's just crazy. And, and I think if, especially when you take some of those people out of those situations and put them in other countries, they live next door like neighbors and they go bowling and everything's cool. I mean, I just, uh, it's the weirdest thing in the world. Yeah. I mean, going back to you saying, keep it simple and common sense. Yeah. Um, so my final question, what is your greatest wealth in life? time no doubt about it you know uh, i i think i think time and spontaneity if you have the if you have the the freedom to be spontaneous if you have the time to be some spontaneous there is um there is nothing i mean let, let's get beyond the obvious my wife my daughter my family my friends i have 20 people on my text chain okay uh, buddies and, and I'm, uh, that's, that's a wealth to me. Okay. Um, and we go golfing all the time and we go out to dinner all the time and we do all the things that guys do. I mean, it's, it's just fantastic. And my family's great. And um, I'm very blessed to have all that stuff. So beyond that particular piece, I think, I think um, time to be spontaneous is, is probably the biggest wealth you could have. And what do you mean by that? Being able to, like I said, yeah. 
Well, if you think about it, people, they'll say, um, you know, God, I don't have time to wash my, walk my dog. I mean, Jesus, you know, I'm so busy. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I don't have time to walk my dog. Yeah, you do. If you woke up tomorrow morning and you said, I'm going to plan walking my dog first and everything else around that, you'd do it, right? Of course you would. So, you know, wake up in the morning and say, okay, me first, get my calendar out. I'm going to plan my health routine. I'm going to plan my workout routine. I'm going to plan my, my quiet time, my peace time, whether that's, you know, yoga or walking my dog in the park or whatever. I'm going to start with me first. And then I'm going to put all that work stuff in around that. And before anyone says, yeah, but you know, if you work for somewhere else, you can't do that baloney. Yes, you can. There's 24 hours in a day. You're only working eight of them. I mean, you can figure it out if you want to. So yeah, just to be able to say, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to drive over there and go out to lunch with that person. Or I think I'm just going to go jump on my boat. Or I think I'm going to go hit balls for a little while at the golf course or walk my dog or go see my granddaughter in a couple of weeks when that happens. Just to be able to have time to just say, you know what? I'm going to do that. And life's yeah. so good. So And prioritizing your time and being intentional and doing the things that matter to you. Buckets, baby. You got all these buckets and you got to fill them all equally. Um, or yeah. otherwise they run over and that's not the way they're designed. So, yeah. Amazing. I have loved our conversation again so much. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so just to round it off, if anyone wants to get in contact with you, they can go to your website, which is Ken Russell official.com. It's Ken Rusk, Ken, R-U-S-K, Ken Rusk official. And, um, you can go to Ken Rusk. That's how my, um, socials, you can go to kenrusk.com. And you'll see where the book is in the course. And again, I, I think I encourage everyone to just give the course a shot. It's it's dinner and a movie. And I guarantee you, you will change your life if you do it. Guarantee. Tell us really quickly about the book and the, the course again. So the book is designed about a lot of what we've talked about right just now. I mean, you can't you can't build a life unless you see it first. And once you see it very clearly, it really doesn't matter how you get there. There's a lot of different ways to get there once you know what, what it is exactly. Ditch digging was number 99 on a list of 100 things that I wanted to do for a living, but I found a way to to monetize that and, and to leverage it into a lot of really amazing things. So it was the life that I wanted to lead that was really important. So that's what the book is about. It's called Blue Collar Cash. And um, the course forces you, once you've read the book, to not just put it on a shelf and forget about it, but to spend eight hours of your life, one hour a week or however you want to do it. And by the time you're done with that course, I 100% guarantee you, you're going to be thinking differently about your future and how you live your life. And um, if not, I want you to call me and tell me about it because you, you haven't done it right if, if you're not thinking that way. So uh, I'm, I'm just saying it's, um, it's a beautiful, very simple way to say, you know what, I'm going to happen to the rest of my life. I'm not going to just let my life happen to me. I love that. So they can get that from your website, both the book and is the book also available on Amazon? It is. Yeah. In fact, when you go to the website to buy the course and the book, you'll see the different buttons, Amazon, okay. Barnes and Nobles, you know, whatever. So it kind of clicks you through to all those and okay. uh, shows you how to do it. It's all, it's all automatic on the site. It'll take you through the whole process. Amazing. Thank you so much, Ken. Again, thank you. I've loved this conversation. So thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to come back again and again. This was fun. <laughs> Maybe the next one will be in person. I hope so. That'd be great. Um.
Thanks for listening to On Being You. I hope you liked this episode and I would love to hear your comments below and hit subscribe for future episodes. 